The uh, the space station is a new acquisition. I, I just got. I literally just got them this weekend. Uh, Blue Bricks is a uh, is a, a toy company in Germany, and they have the license to do construction toys for Star Trek. So you know, similar to Lego or Mega Blocks or something. And uh, I bought a few of their sets just to see how they com compare to Lego because I'm a huge Lego snob. And uh, the Blue Bricks stack up really, really well. Do they do? Doing, you know, do they? Good. No, cool. pun, okay. no pun intended. No pun intended. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> Um, they, I was really happy with the model, and I've got a uh, I've got a Jem Hadar fighter uh, right here. I just built that last night. Great yeah. attention to detail. So oh, nicely oh, done, cool. nicely done, blue bricks. Wow. Beautiful, beautiful colors. And what I what what really impressed me is that they actually put. Let me take this off. They put the Jem Hadar symbol, the Dominion symbol, right on the stand. Wow, cool. super cool. Oh, nice, super That's cool awesome. attention to detail. So it right. takes a while to get them from. Uh, it takes a while to get them from Germany. Uh, so if you're into Legos and you're into Star Trek, um, check them out. And excuse my cat. I'm about to give a spoiler for everyone. I know you guys have all jumped into a conversation. Everyone who's tuning in, as, as always, we always just talk. And whoever <laughs> walks into the room, we keep going. Today we have some really special <laughs> guests for you. I'm going to give a spoiler about Picard. Has, has, any, has everyone here caught? Is everyone here caught up on Picard? Yes. Yes. Yep. yes. Okay. Okay. So then I have to ask. And so anyone listening... Cover if you haven't watched Picard, cover over your ears if you want to for the next sixty <laughs> seconds. How many of you caught in the post credit scene that it was the Dominion language? Uh, I no. did not until nope. I saw. Um, nope. Uh, what, what, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm sorry. He just uh, Hillebrand um, mm. posted about it on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. How cool was that? Okay. It makes sense though. That now it's cool. Now to bring in the changelings and everything, so yeah, it makes total sense. Though mm -hmm. I was wrong on one theory, I would I thought that the entire nebula was the link. Oh, interesting! Yeah. Oh, wow! Well, you should be a writer. That's a big cool idea. That's a link in space. I know. Me and my wife were saying I, we were we, that was our going theory. But let's get started. I'm <laughs> Michael Dismuke. I am a freelance writer for Star Trek Adventures RPG and a blogger on Continuing Missions, which is the number one site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, we now have with us Jim Johnson. Hey, everybody. <laughs> your, your, uh, your intros get more elaborate uh, every week, Michael. I love it. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Modifius Entertainment, Low These Many Years. I'm also the co-host on this show with Michael, uh, Low These Many 70-some episodes or so. Uh, still working away at it, still having fun. And we are super excited tonight to have the uh, the cast and crew, I guess, of uh, Starship <laughs> Tempest on here with us tonight. You see a whole bunch of screen names and faces on the screen. So without more ado, I'm going to have them introduce themselves. And I'm just going to go clockwise around my screen just based on what I see here. No particular favoritism or anything because I... I'm still learning who you are. So let's start with uh, Ryan and Tara. Introduce yourselves, please. And as tradition on the show, tell us your uh, respective favorite Star Trek series oh, and your respective favorite Star Trek captain. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm I'm Ryan Sheely. I'm Tara Sheely. Uh, we are the uh, married couple in post-production and, and, you know, behind the, uh, behind the curtain. <laughs> I play Captain Maddox on Starship Tempest. I'm also the uh, lead sound designer for Starship Tempest. And my favorite TV show has 
So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a little bit of curveball and say my favorite Star Trek are the original series movies. Those are my that's my those are my favorite oh. Star Treks in terms of if you need a direct series, I'd have to lean next gen. Um, but my true love was I first started watching Star Trek with my dad watching the original series movies. So that's where my first love really lies. My favorite captain forever was James T. Kirk. But I got to say, I mean, I am in love with Captain Pike now. Oh, he's still he's, mine. He, he he's, is. He's so pretty. He's so pretty. He's so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going I'm going to have to say right now, my, my current favorite is Pike, because I just think uh, he, what, what Anson Mountain is doing with that character is, is very, very special. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Perfect. Um, I'm Tara Sheely, uh, and Ryan and I have um, three little ones that we try to keep out of the sound design of our <laughs> episodes. We, we are often thwarted. Um, I am uh, Dr. Aurora Teal on the show. I am also uh, Lieutenant Eel, who is a transporter <laughs> chief now. And um, what is my, is it Ensign? I think it's Lieutenant. Oh, it's uh, she got promoted to Lieutenant Mm -hmm. Doe, which is delightful, (laughs) and she's the pilot. So those are characters that I do at the moment. Much to Brian's chagrin, they were supposed to be secondary characters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm also our social media person. So anybody uh, who follows us on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places, you probably have interacted with me before. And um, I really enjoy doing stuff like that and just reaching out and talking to people and artists and stuff. Um, my favorite Star Trek series, I started I started with TNG and actually Ryan showed me TNG when we first started dating. Um, I refused good man, good to watch man. it, right? <laughs> I refused to watch it as a kid because Star Trek TNG came on after Animaniacs and that meant I had to do my homework. So no thank you to Star Trek forever. (laughs) I started dating him in our 20s and he was like, you haven't watched any of it? Just like, just watch some with me. Um, I love Here we are. And here we go. I promise this isn't a slippery slope towards anything. And now here we are. It's not loaded at all. I've always loved Picard. Um, but uh, yeah, Pike has recently stolen my heart. So yeah. he's doing that to a lot of people. First of all, and I love the accent. That is oh, thank so you. fun. How many can you do? I'm just curious. Um, well, before I was a Brit for five months at the Museum of Science and Industry doing the Harry Potter exhibit, I could do about 16. Now I'm down to maybe nine or 10 that I that don't slip into British eventually. So <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Useful, useful. All right, and uh, thank you for both all both of you. Uh, Matt, over to you. Uh, introduce oh. yourself. Uh, favorite series uh, and uh, uh, favorite captain. Yeah, I'm Matt Muller. I play Conrad Smythe on the show. He's the science officer. Um, I started in the second season. Um, I was not in the first season. Um, I was a, a new addition to the show. Yay! Uh, um, uh, so that's why the second season of the show really gets good. <laughs> um, he brings my, a humbleness to our crew that we. Yeah. I sure do. I sure do. Uh, but my favorite Star Trek has to be Next Generation. Um, it's what I grew up watching. Um, coming home from school every single day, watching Next Gen, uh, and obviously my favorite captain has to be Picard because of that. So <laughs> nice. And that's Excellent. all I got. Thank you. So I just got to ask, I mean, how are you digging the third season right now? Of Picard? I like it a lot so far. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. 
Nice, nice. And uh, Brian, introduce yourself. Uh, favorite series, favorite captain? Yeah, so uh, I'm Brian. I'm the the game master. I'm the the poor bastard who uh, had this idea in the first place and dragged the rest of them into it. Um, uh, so I, yeah, I play, uh, I do the game master. So I do all the, you know, this, basically the stories, everything after our, uh, everything from our fourth mission of season one on is totally original. Our first three missions were from uh, one of the compendium, uh, Modifius compendium books, but everything after that is totally uh, original uh, for nice. me. Um, and I mean, it's not, it's not imaginative, you know, it's, it's the, it's it's the obvious answer but you know i'm tng and and picard like you know that's like everybody else that's what i grew up on i, I mean i grew up on both tng and uh, uh reruns of original series um spock is my favorite character period so he was a captain so i guess he would be you could say yeah. captain spock is my captain <laughs> yeah. um um but I mean, yeah, I've just been a Star Trek fan for literally as long as I can remember. I can't really remember a time before. I can't tell you the first time I watched Star Trek because I was too young to remember, probably. <laughs> um, and yeah, uh, this was all kind of my crazy idea to begin with. And I've dragged the rest of them along for the for the ride. We're going to want to ask you about that because this is for those who are listening. You know, we're, we're celebrating the crew of the Starship Tempest. This is a really fan based uh, episode today. And probably have a lot of knowledge on how to get get those first games started we're going to ask you about that sure all right matt oh no we have uh, travis left travis all right yeah so last but not least i'm gonna assume uh <laughs> i am travis Sutter. i play the chief engineer nick holden on the show um which hilariously the the name i want to be clear was actually a reference to the tv show white collar from way back in the day it's the fake name he gave and it was a solid three episodes in that I realized is exactly the name of the expanse. And it just <laughs> did not dawn on me, even though I, <laughs> so, I felt a little ridiculous, but you know, I had already picked it. So we went with it um, for me. Same thing. We all fit an age range. I grew up with TNG. So that's my favorite. Um, I will give a twist in saying that, like, I feel like I really love lower decks almost as much as TNG, except for yeah. the fact that it doesn't, really fit the same niche of what star trek is to me as a person so it's like i enjoy lower decks as much as when i watch tng because it's just hilarious and it does all of the things that we do when we watch it but tng is the one that's like if i have to pick a trek show because lower decks doesn't feel as much like a trek show um and then the captain yeah picard he's the best so <laughs> yeah, i agree with you i, I... I can't watch uh, Lower Decks to relax. I have to be in a comedy mood. Like everything else, I kind of do it to relax. But that one's too hypey for me. (laughs) Yeah, there's a thing about like TNG and to a lesser extent, at least for me, TOS, that it's just like it's the purest comfort food that there is. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That's, you know, you put on something that just lets your brain relax in kind of this very particular way. And that's what it is. Yeah. 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 And in fact, I have a, 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 you said comfort food. I, uh, you know, this is back in the day, right? In the, in the eighties, early nineties, we had the ability to tape episodes, right? On the old VHS tapes. Oh, and yeah. uh, I, I had gotten into a science where I could pause it and, uh, you know, restart it at just the right time during the commercial breaks. Nice. But I was able, I was able to fit eight episodes on, on a, on a single cassette. Right. Wow. And uh, <laughs> after like three seasons, I must've had like, I don't know, 14 or 15 of these cassettes. And uh, my best friend, my co-GM of the Star Trek game we were running at the time, one one week he was just like super super sick, and uh, and he said, "Look, That's I'm super sick. I'm going to be I'm going to be home for a few days. Can I borrow your your tapes? Because yeah. I, I can 
because I hadn't wa- he hadn't watched season one or season two or part of season three. And I was yeah. like, sure, man, I'll, I'll bring him over. So I brought him over to him, and he said he spent a whole week, you know, drinking, you know, um, tea and 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 chicken noodle soup, and he binged every every one of those uh, of those tapes, those old VHS tapes. And he said it was it was so nice to be able to just watch it straight through. It was like you know the precursor to binging, like we can do now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he was the original <laughs> binge watcher. Good for yeah. him. Yeah. <laughs> he could put one tape and he could watch eight episodes in a row without stopping it or pausing it or anything. He said it was great, and uh, he, he just we both had such a love for Next Gen at the time, and uh, uh, absolutely comfort food by, by yeah. no, you know every stretch. Every stretch is so great. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. kids. Google VHS when you get home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that far removed. <laughs> Though I am curious, since we're all of the same age group, that's why we all kind of gravitate towards TNG. Uh, I I pushed really hard for the rest of the crew. They kind of watched later, but like I love Prodigy and I know Ryan and Tara's kids love Prodigy. And so like, I feel like if you ask this question in 10 to 20 years, for the next generation, there's going to be so many yeah. people that their answer is prodigy because that's what they grew up with. Yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. True. You know, we have three boys that are three, seven, and eight. And we thought like the eight-year-old really enjoys watching TNG or Ryan was going through Voyager recently, like whatever's on, he'll watch it. But our middle son hasn't really identified with anything yet that he has loved about Star Trek until Prodigy. And he would he would go to bed and he'd be like, I want to know what happens with Janeway. I want to know how she got there and stuff. And we were like, well, did our kid <laughs> yeah. just say Janeway? Like, <laughs> this is mind-blowing. Like, yeah. yeah. Totally. It's necessary. If you want, you know, young men to grow up and respect women, they've got to watch Voyager. They've got to see Janeway in yeah. action. I mean, it's just like so uh, respect. And it gets better every year, too, you know, every yeah. time. As, as it keeps up with stuff like Jane that. Janeway might be my second choice after Picard. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. it's up there. You make me happy. She's my number one. Only being oh. battled right now with Pike. And if Philippa Giorgio comes back, I will oh. quickly replace uh, her as my favorite <laughs> captain. But just to be no, clear, there's no, there's no Jellico fans in the group? Not one? <laughs> <laughs> Not a single Jellico. Okay. We are, we are all about the three shifts. In this I appreciate group. the efficiency. We are a three shifts household. <laughs> <laughs> Although you know, to to Jellico's credit, I think the one thing I liked that that character did was put Troy into a uniform. I think I think mm-hmm. putting Troy into a uniform really changed that character for the positive. And I yeah. wish they had, I wish they had either stuck with it for the rest of the series or that they had done it earlier because they wrote Troy differently when she was wearing a yeah. uniform as yeah. opposed to when she was wearing her counselor, um, you know, uh, uh, leotard or whatever. Yeah, and it, it was just it would have been better for 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 Serena or Marina Sirtis, I think, to have more meaningful things to do with that character than just be, you know, you know, not to be, you know, awful, but like, you know, set dressing on the bridge a lot of times. Right. And, uh, they just gave her more to do when she was in uniform. And I really appreciated that. Well, that's yeah. a really interesting. That's why, that's why I like Jellico sometimes, because like, he, he made her do that. <laughs> oh, sure. But for like, so I think. Yeah. I, Pretty. I think everybody would agree that TNG hit their stride in season three. And what did they do in season three specifically? They they altered the pajama uniforms oh. for everybody on the bridge except yeah. for Troy. That's a really interesting point I hadn't. Yeah. Put so we we took them more seriously at the start of season three just because they looked more more. Uh, I don't know disciplined. I don't know what the right word is, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, wonder, yeah. I wonder if that's a more modern thing of like they were doing very episodic back in TNG days, right? So they weren't necessarily thinking of character arcs over the course of season and series right. in the same way it would have been interesting like 
looking back on it, if they had just kept her in a uniform from that episode on, it would have been a really fun character shift to look back after and be like, yeah. oh, that's when she mm-hmm. switched and mm-hmm. did the thing. Well, I found her most interesting, too, is when she started getting into the command program. I thought that episode alone that episode's great. was, so it's was wonderful. And I wish they yeah. would have pulled that in earlier I, I for just thinking about Star Trek Adventures. It gives player options to understand that just because you start as a counselor doesn't mean you have to end as a counselor, you know. Right. right. I thought it was a really good arc too. But you know what? Mm-hmm. Enough about Enterprise. Yeah. We're, here, <laughs> we're here to talk about Starship Tempest. So I'm going to read it straight from your website for everyone who's listening. Why we brought them on board. Brian, Starship- have you updated the website? Uh, well, let's no. <laughs> whatever you're about to read, I probably wrote. So excuse me while I cringe. Okay. Well, it says it says Starship Tempest follows the adventures of the Starship USS Tempest, a sister ship to the USS Enterprise C in the mid 24th century. Starship Tempest is set 25 years before the events of the Next Generation TV show in an era that remains mostly unseen in other Star Trek productions. So is that true still? A lost era. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. it is. That is still that true. Is still correct. <laughs> I think that's Jim's favorite era too. Am I right, Jim? Sorry, you, you caught me on mute. Um, you know, <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't think it's my favorite era. I think it's my favorite un- unexplored era because that's a it's chunk a of time. That, like some of the some of the novels have done okay. You know, kind of like playing with it a little bit. Um, but like that chunk of time between between generations and and the start of next gen is, is really kind of uncharted. Like we can infer a lot of things that happen just because of the next gen characters' backstories. Um, but there's still just a lot of like like the whole the whole Klingon Federation Cold War thawing out and and changing and getting to the point where we see Worf actually on the bridge of the Enterprise. There's a lot of stuff that could happen there, right? And it just mm-hmm. it just hasn't been tapped into yet, and it's a it's unfortunate, you know, I, sure, I understand that Star Trek is a huge, you know, has a huge timeline, right? And even after 56 years, there's still large gaps that we don't really know a lot about. And it's, you know, fertile ground for anybody to go explore. And that's the, what we try to do with the with the game. And of course, obviously, that's what you're all doing on your show. So uh, exactly. uh, you know, that's off to taking advantage of it. Yeah. yeah. So maybe, Brian, what you could do is kind of give us a story. Like, show, tell us about, you know, what brought you to Star Trek Adventures, um, the ideas behind this game, maybe up to the session zero, where you where you convince these fine folks to play with you. Talk to <laughs> give us that story. Yeah, what? well, so um, uh, so I first of all, I agree all about the lost area, and that's why I so I I kind of picked it that you know um as w- coming into this uh the the origin story is that I was working at this office with a friend of mine. We had a really long commute, and we would carpool. Uh, and one day she was like, hey, do you want to listen to this, you know, D&D actual play podcast that, that I really love, which was uh, The Adventure Zone. And that was kind of I knew what like about Critical Role and that sort of thing. But that, this uh, circumstance was the first time I really like sat down and listened to a story in that format. And of course, I it was I loved it. It's hilarious. And they're great. Uh, and at some point, somewhere between uh, uh, Burbank and uh, Orange County, I was like, hey, this would be. I bet if, you know, we if I got with my friends and we did like a Star Trek version of the Adventure Zone, that would be really fun. I think that would be really cool. Um, And so I just mentioned it to probably Ryan first and then, you know, other other people in sequence. Um, And it was like, hey, like like we can just try this. I I looked it up in. Uh, so this would have been 2018. So uh, the Modifius's RPG system would have been, I think, a couple of years old at that point. So still like relatively new and just kind of getting out the gate. 
Uh, so I bought the, you know, the core rule book and uh, so, uh, some other resources and just kind of like cracked it open. And I, I like to say that we didn't have so much of a session zero as like <laughs> a session negative four <laughs> and then negative three and then negative two and negative one. And then finally. Yeah, because we because it, it was definitely so i had very little dnd experience i had never gm'd before i'd only played in kind of a couple of games uh and no real campaigns that lasted any length of time uh travis had a little bit uh but other than that like we really didn't have much experience in the in the very beginning um and so uh, i was like well don't worry about like don't worry we don't need to know what we're doing we'll just start we'll just have fun and we won't start like recording and releasing and actually, you know, making a product until we feel like we're comfortable until like we've reached that point. Um, so we, yeah, we must've done three or four like full missions before yeah, from, the book. Yeah. from the book before we were like, all right, I think we're good enough and with very loose definitions of enough. Um, <laughs> so let me clarify, just to make sure I yeah. understand. So you didn't yeah. really have an official session zero. You just jumped in with people, kind of got a feel for the game and then had a session zero? Yeah, I mean, I, again, it's sort of like there wasn't really a defined session zero in the sense that we we just started. First, we did the, um, the starter mission in the core rule book. Uh, and then I just started taking missions from the first mission compendium. Uh, and I just started going through them. Like I think the first one we did was the uh, Forest of the Nights with the with a ship um, uh, that you, ex- you know, kind of like the sleeper ship that you explore. Then we did with the one with the bugs that are being harvested by the aliens. We did that, uh, and we then got, we, we did- got derailed on that one very hard because you described them as the size of cows, and then we just pictured very large cow bugs. Cow and bugs. Refused to acknowledge yeah. they were anything but cow <laughs> it, bugs. It should be noted that we could have probably pulled together and had like a proper session zero, but for Brian to get all of us, like we've all known each other for twenty years. So for him to get all of us to play was like wrangling cats. Like there's no, you can't, we had another friend involved in the beginning too, who just would lob jokes. <laughs> joke time. bombs. Like joke bombs. And we're like, can we focus at all? Or that's not happening today. Yeah, I, wrote, I wrote a chapter about that in the player's guide. <laughs> uh, you should, I mean, if you, if you listen to the show as it exists now, you should, you should understand that like, what you hear is after editing and them on relatively decent behavior compared to <laughs> na- our, our actual natural inclinations. So I, I, I will I will say that we didn't necessarily have a true session zero in the typical sense, but Brian sent each of us a link to some sort of online character builder. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so we all kind of ran through that and that's how we came up with our base characters mm-hmm. and then through the first couple missions we kind of got a little bit of a feel and kind of went from there um, awesome for people who are wondering what that is bc holmes maintains it it's actually on the continuing mission website too and oh nice character builder yeah. and that's it yeah and bc does it out of the kindness of they're hard and we actually have we actually have an interview with them on on continuing oh, it was it was fantastic it was a huge help to all of us right at the beginning because trying to dig into the entire rule book was was very daunting and so when brian sent us the, that link we were able to just pull that up and answer a handful of questions and it kind of pre-populated most of the stuff for us and so i love i've raved before and I, I will do so again about i love the uh the star trek adventures way of building characters and then how um 
I'm sorry, I don't remember their name, but how that person was able to convert it into a web app uh, is also awesome. But just the, I, I love the whole thing of like your stats are tied into story decisions and they're like, it's not like, all right, decide which points you're going to put into which stat category, whatever. And now come up with whatever backstory you want. Like they go hand in hand together. And I just think that's the coolest thing. That is cool. So, so you like the life path uh, better than other methods. Have you tried, uh, the, for the purposes of this group, I guess, or in other games, have you tried using like the um, uh, creation or uh, the play 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 as you go, uh, create as you go kind of uh, idea? Or do you prefer to have that whole life path worked out ahead of time? No. Uh, so the only other experience I have is with the, the traditional D&D setup mm-hmm. of rolling for your character, but then also coming up with your backstory. And actually in the, uh, in the one D&D campaign, that I played most recently, which was at that same job, I actually kind of completely punted on coming up with a backstory. I just decided my character had amnesia and <laughs> made the made the DM come up with it, and then my my story arc would have been un- you know figuring out what it was. That uh, was an option. I could have done that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bad. See, you, you got to think smarter, not harder. Uh, wait, you got to think lazier. Yeah. No, so I would note that we actually do the sort of character creation as we move forward yeah. on all of our side characters. We all came up with our main, what we consider our main character. Me as Holden, uh, Ryan as Maddox, our captain, uh, Teal as the doctor for Tara and Smythe. But all of the side characters, including all the various voices that Tara does, <laughs> they we essentially just like, since there's only a couple of us and Star Trek Adventures has so many roles to play, in it when we would come up with something it's like oh well we need to do a transport you don't have a transporter chief let's come up with a transporter chief and that became eel um and then we just as we went through we continually just added additional animals i mean characters <laughs> and <laughs> sort of backfilled as we went so now multiple what we essentially consider secondary characters have values tied to who they are and experiences they had on the mission. So that was a sort of build as you go yeah. along that. those lines. So let me ask each person, I'm curious, want you to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your characters and also why um, Star Trek Adventures hits the mark for you. I don't know if any of you have played other RPGs, so make sure to mention if you had, but, but let's kind of go around. I always like to know what draws people to Star Trek Adventures, um, if it's their first time playing RPG or if it's becoming their preferred RPG, which I love to hear all the time. Matt, why don't we start with you? Uh, oh, good. Talk to us. <laughs> the most experienced um, game player of all of us is Matt. Yeah, yeah so I true. probably played more systems than anyone else in the group. Um, so I've played uh, D&D 3.5. I've played D&D 5th edition. I played Cyber the old Cyberpunk 20, 2020 or 2021. I can't remember which one, whichever one, the original Cyberpunk. I played a couple of the different Star Wars ones. Um, I played a superhero one. I mean, I've played a million different systems. Um, but um, the only one that is remotely similar, I think, to how Star Trek Adventures works is Cyberpunk. And that just ver- that's just on the character creation front. Because when you create a character in Cyberpunk, you roll. But you're rolling on these big tables, and that sets your backstory and who your character is. That's interesting. It's 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 really it's a really cool system. The rest of the system is completely different. It's like a D10 based system, but it's very different. Although other than that, but it's, the character creation is a kind of a similar thing where you're, you know, rolling for your and setting your character up 
as as a history of the character rather than just here's numbers on a stat block like D and D does it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I never played um, uh, Star Trek Adventures before Ryan and Brian asked me to join Tempest. So I was like, oh, cool, that'll be fun. I've never played it before. That'll be cool. So I decided I wanted to create a slightly different character than what we really see on the bridge of a starship. And I made Conrad Smythe, but I wanted him to be kind of an old man. Um, because in in the era of Star Trek, you like the, the you know, you see characters living past 100 years old. You know, you see McCoy in in a counter farpoint he's like 130 years old or something right um you know so so why can't a 70 year old man still be serving on a on, on a starship you know he's like that's midlife at that point almost <laughs> love so, it so um so i had him he's you know he didn't start in starfleet he started in academia um you know as like a xenobiologist an archaeologist and you know more just you know basically a college professor for for a few decades and then he decided oh, i'll try starfleet too because that'll be fun <laughs> um, so so he kind of went up through the ranks of starfleet as well and is serving on the bridge of the tempest so i love that i love yeah. that he's now first officer of the tempest yeah well that's, that's a spoiler, spoiler for season three yep that's a season oh. three spoiler <laughs> so yeah that's really cool. Okay, and yeah. and so um, and I'm going to ask just because you have so much experience playing RPG too. I got asked the narrative question: How Star Trek Adventures compares narratively to other games you've played? Um, it's different, I think, because it's much more narrative than a lot of the other games. Because a lot of the other games, you know, you have here's your set actions you can do, and you roll the dice, and oh, I either did it or I didn't do it, and and that's it. Um, Star Trek Adventures is much more open. Um, I mean, you can come up with gobbledygook and techno babble, and yeah. that's that's babble. your success, you know. <laughs> like, oh, like you, you know, like Brian does it with us all the time. It's like, oh, Brian, I want to do this kind of thing. Well, tell me how you can do it, and you can do it. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a chance to do it. So, all right, you're gonna, you know, bounce a graviton particle beam off the main deflector dish and such. I love stuff. Uh, I know? love it. <laughs> so, yeah. Whereas, whereas yeah. D and D has magic, we have science and tech exactly. pseudoscience, yeah. which works really right, well. right. Yeah, but you can't make up stuff on D and D. You know, if you have magic in D and D, oh, I have to use this magic spell, and that's how it goes. Mm-hmm. Where in this, it's much more. Tell me how you're going to do it, and and I'll tell Player you. Player agency, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have a lot more freedom. It's much more narrative driven versus stat blocks and dice driven. Exactly. You know? Tara, what about you? What attracted you to start? What, what do you What do you find interesting about Star Trek Adventures STA? So. I had never played an RPG before, and um, we have friends who have done, you know, LARPing and RPGs and stuff forever, and I've always been really intimidated. So, like, we all used to do improv comedy stuff in Daytona a million years ago and stuff like that, but I felt like playing a game and or trying to use Star Trek stuff, like, I will mess this up. Like, I won't know the jargon. I won't be able to do it. I can't like do the techno babble. I'm freaking out. I can't do this. And Ryan and Brian were like, please, it's going to be super fun. Please do this. And I was so very pregnant with our youngest. (laughs) This is not good timing for this. (laughs) They were like, please, 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 please. So we got started and then I had the baby 
So then I'm like trying to keep him quiet while we're recording. I'm feeding a baby and recording and playing the game and stuff. It was crazy. And then 2020 hit and was what it was. And this was our lifeline. Like this brought us together. And so Star Trek, playing Star Trek adventures together went from like the, okay, this thing that maybe we'll do to like, thank God we have this, you know, like it shifted for us and for me in particular, like it was, it was all we had. We had three little kids and his crazy job and this, like that was it. So yeah, it meant a lot to us and it still does, you know, it's still a major part of our our lives so i know jim has something to say about this i i that's just a, that's an amazing story and and i've heard it from other folks echoing it and i, I mean me personally too um you know as the as the project lead and and, and a writer and uh and just a gamer of it too um like the pandemic was really hard right and yeah. um and, and like for me like uh like it, the company was in a weird place i wouldn't you know we don't need to go into details but like everybody was in a weird place yeah. And like a lot of our products were delayed because the supply chain was delayed and everything was screwed up mm-hmm. and like all around the world, not just Benedictus, but like everybody was screwed up. And it was like, I, I, and like, you know, my, my son was home from school cause school was closed and we were all working from home and everybody was on zoom and, and Microsoft teams and all this stuff. And it's like, Oh my God, I have no connection to anybody. And like, like and in start in Star Trek has always been a lifeline for me anyway, but Star Trek adventures turned into a lifeline too, because because I could see people like you were playing the game, enjoying the game. I could, I could, I could dial into Twitches or I could watch YouTube or I could just like kind of like be the shadowy person just enjoying the <laughs> show, right? In the chat window, I wouldn't say anything in the chat window. I would just, you know, catch up for a little while when I, when I had time. And it was so, uh, it was such a connection and it just kept me going. It's like, can I get through this pandemic? I don't know. But I, I had, this, I had the Star Trek and Star Trek Adventures to focus on. And it's just like, I, I'm just grateful that, 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 I mean, we didn't want it to happen, obviously, but but right. the, that we had this lifeline to keep us going was was huge. Cool. So, uh, Kara, uh, Tara, I do have a question for you though. I'm really really curious, and I think some of our listeners will be curious. Um, you said you didn't, you'd never played an RPG before, and you were afraid of messing it up, and you were afraid of you know getting all the jargon wrong and all that stuff. I'm curious, like, can you can you look back and identify what 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 did you do to kind of get over that? Was it just a matter of getting into it and taking the chance and playing, or did you? Have- Brian and Brian kind of pulling you along. Like what, what, what did you do like internally to, to, to break through that? Not, not to say yeah. it was a block, but just to, to get over that initial fear and then and just get into it and have fun. Absolutely. Um, both and all of those things. I, um, I, well, first I started, like, I would just put on TNG during the day and just like have some of that going in, you know, absorbing. And, um, Ryan and Brian would say like, you don't have to worry about it. Like if you don't know what to say, we're, we're not going live with it. So we'll, you know, like you can think about it. We can look it up if you want, you know, whatever. And, you know, the more we played, the more I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, also, so I have anxiety. I've been, you know, medicated on, on, for anxiety for quite some time. And part of my anxiety is just like being able to prepare and being able to, you know, handle moments of the unknown. Right. And so having this show became like, okay, well, what can I do within this show that will help tame my anxiety. And one of the things that I do is voices. And so (laughs) Dr. Teal 
while she is my normal voice and my, you know, that's my main character, all of these random other characters would come up and Brian would be like, hey, Tara, do a voice for so-and-so. And so -and so-and-so <laughs> suddenly had a British accent and I was way more comfortable playing Lieutenant Eel than I was playing Dr. Aurora Teal. And that was not the point in the original, but that's what's happening now. So once I was <laughs> into those voices and into those characters, I was like, so I can just play with this. And Brian's <laughs> like, <"Yeah." laughs> it's like, oh, okay. This I is love that. Yeah. <laughs> well, what I like about it too is because, you know, I, I was told by a therapist to go do karaoke because I was having severe performance anxiety. This you need to oh, go sure. in a room where no one cares. And in fact, the worse you do, they're cheerful. cheerful. <laughs> 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 like, don't go up there and try to sound good because then everyone's going to be like, nope. ah. You know? so, so, so just pick crazy songs and do it. And I, I love that because we talked about that before on the show. It's like, this is a playground and everyone should be walking away having fun. This is not being recorded. You are not going to end up hired by Paramount. Maybe you might. Things are happening. But I love that you said that. That's really nice. Yeah. Yeah, we already have a track record for that, right? Bonnie, uh, Bonnie Gordon is uh, is now working on Prodigy. So she is, yeah, uh, she had a big role in um, in not Clear Skies, but uh, um, Shield of Tomorrow. Yeah. Right? Nice. No pressure, no pressure, Tara. Yeah, no pressure. That's fine. <laughs> Especially with all the accents, and she and she uh, did um, voicing in Prodigy too. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and and she, well she in prodigy she does the the voice of the computer and whenever we'd have a computer voice aspect it's always tara so there yeah, you but, go. Don't get, <laughs> but don't get anxious tara that's what we call synergy in the business <laughs> it's all good yeah. we're good <laughs> ryan what's your story Did, was this your first rpg too Yes, it was. Um, I had never done uh, role playing before in my life. I frankly didn't really have much interest in it. Um, so I, uh, Brian, well, role, role playing game. Cor You've correct. done a lot of lot of theater and acting. Oh yeah, that's yeah, true. that's yes, correct. Thank you for the correction. Um, yeah, so we we all actually have a have a, a somewhat background in theater, and that's kind of how we all came together in college. And um, and then, as Tara mentioned, we did improv and things like that. So I've done performance art before. However, I'd never done a role-playing game in, in the past, and I didn't really have much interest in doing it. My creative, um, uh, my creativity bug has been satisfied for the last decade or so doing sound design, spe uh, specifically dramatic sound design in the, in the Heartlife NFP productions of Our Fair City, and then um, later on on Well, they have terribly successful dramatic podcasts. And I was the lead sound designer on those. And when Brian came up with this idea, he he approached me and said, "Do we want to do this?" And I was like, "I got so much work I got to do on these other <laughs> on this other show. I don't. I can't. So it was actually the reason why it took so long for us to get from Brian's initial concept to our first actual episode was because my schedule was crazy and I couldn't I couldn't swing it. Yeah. But that, that was one of the reasons, not all of the reasons. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I so I didn't really have free time to do any to even consider doing a role-playing game so when we started experimenting with it when brian sent me the character sheet thing that we were discussing earlier i was like oh this is fun and i sat down and it just <laughs> like it just fell out and it's, it, it just poured out of my head so my character is uh captain maddox he is a half human half endorian who 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 presents very very human and so much so that um he didn't even know he was half andorian because his parents hid it from him because he was the product of infidelity um un unbeknownst to him until he was but then what happened with the antennas 
they had them. So this is part of the thing that they had them surgically removed when he was an infant and then, and then played him off as full human because his father had an affair with an Andorian Starfleet officer. And so Michael's mind, right? That now. has so many social compli- uh, implications. I'm right. Yes. yes. So it, it just all fell out. And the, the, my favorite part about my character is that his mom is, the the person who he knows as his mom is not his bio, biological mom. She was, however, the one who raised him, loved him. But he is the physical embodiment of her partner's infidelity, and she never treated him at, with anything other than love and affection and mother motherly the motherly touch. And so he Maddox has a very strained relationship with his father. His mother is his hero, and this is what I mean. More like it just all spilled out yeah. because once I started, as Brian often refers to, to to Star Trek as our collective, our favorite sandbox to play in. And I had never had the opportunity to be in Star Trek. And so this afforded me that opportunity. And it I, it's the best. <laughs> it, is just, it is just the best. So and to have, to have our ship be an ambassador class. I, um, Brian and I are both ship junkies. And the, the, my favorite ship, my favorite Enterprise design of all time was the Enterprise C that you only see one time ever. And a couple of times you'll see an ambassador class come in and, and, you know, when an admiral shows up and next gen or something. But I love the ambassador class. When Brian said, yeah, it's going to be an ambassador class, it was just. Yeah. So <laughs> Brian had hearts in his eyes. Yeah. So, so I came, I, I'm much, I came on board much more for the pure love of Star Trek rather than the pure uh, experience of role-playing games. That being said, this being my only role-playing I've ever done, role-playing game I've ever done, I've ever participated in, I I love it. And we played one session of D&D yeah, not long ago. Our tried to teach us how to play D&D recently. And, and much to like... It was chaos. What, like Matt was talking about earlier, like when, when a role didn't go that way, I was like, I tried to justify why it should. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> my nephew was like, like, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, you lost your ear. You lost your ear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. yeah it, it, Star Trek Adventures is my first RPG love because, you know, no, you always love the uh, the first one the most. Yeah, yeah I mean, I love that. We're, I'm gonna. We're, I know we're gonna circle back around and want to talk more about ha- how, especially for improvisational actors, this is a social tool. Um, I I heard something the other day. I, I was reading a book. Forget his name right now, but it's View from the Bridge, the person who wrote and produced. Oh, uh, Nicholas Wrath Meyer. Con- Thank you, Nicholas Meyer. Wrath of Khan and Undiscovered Country. Oh and yeah. Was talking that um, you know actors. And artists do their best work when you're not supposed to talk about something because mm. it's a way to get it into society. I just thought he said it so well. If you have a chance to read that book. So we'll get back to that. Travis, let's uh, hear your take on Star Trek Adventures. Was it your first? Was uh, it your first time, it- Travis? <laughs> <laughs> it was my first time of Star Trek Adventures. I had played a couple uh, games before. Uh, no D&D on my end. I played a homebrew modification of exalted at some point a friend of mine wrote the entire thing himself because he was a little crazy and made it all work (laughs) um and then i had played the fate system which is very sort of just group storytelling more so than traditional rpg game playing um and so this was my first experience with star trek adventures I, i i really like it um like it's been brought up before the player agency is a big thing for me. Um, I like to be able to try things and see how things happen and try to like 
BS my way into making something happen if I want to try and make it happen. And Star Trek Adventures allows a lot of that. I also love that the we've brought this up before. We've had some Tempest talks where we like kind of got together and just chatted about stuff. And Star Trek Adventures feels very Star Trek. It it feels hard to kill people because they don't kill people in Star Trek. And it feels very like you are a crew that is trying to solve problems and adventure more so than just you were trying to like dungeon crawl to steal some loot type of thing. And so the way that it's built in there was a way that I really sort of gravitated towards. I really enjoy it as a system. There's a lot of moving pieces that we don't necessarily incorporate. Um, I'm looking forward to someday trying one with like more strict to adhering to all of the little nuances within it. Um, but I just like how Star Trekky it feels. Um, I don't know if there's a specific word for that, but Star Trekky is the word I'm going to go with. I think um, Star Trekky works. Yeah. Um, so, and my character is Nicholas Holden. I'm the chief engineer. Um, when we first were coming out, coming up with our backstories, I made my backstory. He's an ex uh, Section 31 officer. Um, I came up with his sort of big successful thing that happened, why he was able to pick his own ship. He kind of started to run friction of they're doing the right thing. They're doing the wrong thing, but for the right reasons, but they're mm-hmm. kind of pushing a little too far for his comfort level. So he wanted to kind of just go be a regular officer for a while. And I kind of wrote that character in the idea that having a Starfleet intelligence background, specifically the secret section 31 was going to mean that I wouldn't have to talk a whole lot about the background. <laughs> and, then, and then Brian made it a through line for like all of the seasons. So. I've, <laughs> I've basically hung the entire campaign story on, on yeah. it. <laughs> so, it is what it is. But yeah, so his character is a little shady. Uh, he likes to kind of keep things close to his chest. Uh, he doesn't always trust super easily. Uh, but he's a whiz when it comes to engineering and just gets super excited about challenges. Um, and so that's kind of where I come from. Yeah. You're about to get some commendation from Jim, I think, Brian, because we talk, <laughs> Jim's big on, as GMs, knowing the backstory of your characters, their focuses, mm. their values, their talents. Right, Jim? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always uh, I've always emphasized that um, if a, if a if a player is going to go through the effort to create a backstory and to create really interesting stuff for their character. And they hand you that stuff, either a session zero or just over the course of the game. And they say, look at all this cool stuff I made up for my character. They're not just saying, look at this cool stuff I made up. They're saying, they, they may be so conscious about it, but they're saying, use this. Like, yeah. here's all these plot seeds. Here's all these plot hooks. Totally. Here's all these uh, <laughs> NPCs I'm creating for you, names and stuff. Like, you know, here's a, here's a, a relative. I don't really know what's the deal with the relative, but you know, use it. Find a way to fold it in. And uh, and game masters, like <laughs> as a player, game masters who take my backstory and actually do something with it, I just love them because it's like you're you're actually listening to me and you're actually incorporating the stuff, the random stuff that I came up with sometimes. And then it just it adds an it adds more player uh, buy-in to the game. I find like yeah. you feel invested, and in it. it's not just stuff happening to you because the game master came up with it. It's like you made up stuff. And I'm weaving your stuff into my stuff, and now we're and then I'm pulling in Travis's stuff, and I'm pulling in Matt's stuff, and I'm pulling in Ryan's stuff, and like you got this whole huge tapestry going on now, and uh, it just makes I mean it makes everything so much richer. And I mean, frankly, and it doesn't sound like this is going to be strange to anybody, but like the best experiences I've had as a gamer with that kind of a thing in mind has always been Star Trek, not specifically Star Trek Adventures, but like I've been playing Star Trek RPGs for forever now whether it was FASA or Decipher or Last Unicorn Games or a bunch of homebrews that my group came up with because at the time 
there just wasn't a system that did what we wanted it to do. So yeah. we just made it up, right? And just the uh, just went with the scenes and the in the moments and whatever. And then Star Trek Adventures came along, and that was you know pretty great. But uh, um, but yeah, Michael, I, I absolutely love it when game masters work collaboratively with players to pull all those threads together and make something amazing out of it. Mm-hmm. Hey, Brian, talk to us about that. I, I, I don't know what you're talking I was about to segue and say, tell me about sure. how you say you've only used three modules. So I'm really curious to hear how you are building your games to keep everyone so yeah. uh, transfixed. Well, I mean, so in sort of my own kind of whatever the opposite of my defense is like I've done that. Yes, it's true that I've done that a lot with Travis's backstory specifically, but I haven't nearly as much as much as I would like to certainly with everybody else so far. And that's actually one of the things I want to uh, I'm going to really try to to focus on in season four, which we're going to start recording soon um, and moving forward. Uh, it's just Travis, without realizing it, happened to walk into kind of the, already the what I wanted to explore with like why why I found this time period interesting in the first place like you were talking about the kind of klingon cold war aspect of it of you know the klingons are our friends or maybe not but at least not our enemies but not for you know only for right now there's there's something like what drew me to this time period specific specifically as an interest of like i want to play in this part of the sandbox was the fact that like the character of starfleet is so um different between the end of undiscovered country and generations and then what we see in next generation right like the the personality of starfleet itself is so very different and there's something in that like transition of you know horatio hornblower space navy to age of aquarius pajama explorers (laughs) like (laughs) like there's a big character transition in the you know in the organization of star of starfleet and the kind of identity of star trek in that and so there was there was something in the kind of that like you know colonel jessup you know you want me on that wall you need me on that wall kind of a thing that i i'm that's what I, I was like intrigued by. That's why I went. And Travis just completely kind of obliviously and coincidentally sort of walked right into that with his own character backstory. I should have just done amnesia. What I like about it too is that you, um, I consistently stress to people that the minute you start playing the game, you are canon. I, I believe that way. I, 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 we claim our game is canon. Whatever they're doing on the shows is fine, but this is what's really going on. They <laughs> just got televised. So, so what I like about that is you're creating in an era where it's your sandbox, improvisational, mm-hmm. and um, especially for new players, if they've never played RPG before, they don't feel as constricted. Okay. And that that was also part of a uh, part of it is a sense. One of the things I tried to like be very clear ahead of time was you know. Uh, what the decisions that you guys make so we're 25 years before tng but you guys your the decisions that you make in the stories that will come up are going to change things and history itself will play out differently so that there was never a sense of you know me you know me personally or just the whole operation in general of like well we've we've got to get to this outcome because that's the way it is in season right. two of tng right or we know that we're not going to start a war with the Klingons because that's not how it goes. Like none of that, like any, any of that would have been cutting off the, the actual like story power potential of it at the knees. So, um, and then kind of in that, along that vein, when I, when when I'm coming up with missions, I'm always trying to think in terms of character, 
character decisions and choices and dilemmas and things that have n- nothing to do with whether you succeed at the tricorder scan or whether your attack succeeds against so-and-so or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're always about some choice in terms of, you know, a choice an actual human would need to make in a given situation. Like, do, you know, the needs of the many versus the needs of the few, or, you know, do you mm-hmm. let the ends justify the means? Anything like that. Um, so you're playing a value-based game. And then, of course, I have to ask. Trying, too, at least. Trying. Have, have you met a younger version of Luxana Troy? That's all I care about. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> no, the only the only problem in that regard is any NPC. So we, we have had established, like we've had Picard in season one. I actually set as myself a kind of informal limitation that I would only let a main character from a canon tv show be a guest star in our campaign once per season so like we have picard in season one sulu in season two somebody else in season three that i won't spoil but like i'm trying to you know limit myself in that regard but the 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 flip side of that is like anybody who comes along i'm gonna have to play as the npc and so it's a matter of do i want to play that person so (laughs) we were actually talking about like well what if we Plasky's around here somewhere. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, she's only ninety years old. Yeah. But if we have a Pulaski episode, I am the person who has to play Pulaski. <laughs> Let's be serious. You'll make me do it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, for, for the benefit of our, of our, of our viewers and listeners who, uh, who haven't um, checked out Tempest yet, uh, is the, is this, is the series more episodic in an, in a uh, original series next gen kind of vein? Or is it more serialized like you would see on DS9, uh, later DS9 and uh, and Discovery? So what I'm sort of trying to do is is bridge the gap. So it starts off entirely episodic. Season one is all episodic and season two is almost entirely episodic. And then the idea that I'm trying to 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 manifest um, and we'll see how successful it ends up being, but is that sort of gradually it will transition from one to the other um, so that there will be a mix sort of like, uh, you know, in the X-Files, you had, you know, some episodes were monster of the week and some episodes were, uh, you know, the overarching story. Yeah. And so I'm trying to kind of mimic that format a little bit. Yeah. The way Mm -hmm. he's presented it to us as players is uh, plot threads are starting to come together. Um, Mm -hmm. And so us trying to go back, Oh, what do we, what do we remember from season three and season two? that were sort of recurring issues and how those things might start like forming into a single coherent rope later on. And also, also trying to, you know, in some ways at some points, not all, but in some points hide those threads. So like something seems like a one-off, but only later do you realize, Oh, that actually connects to this. And hopefully Mm -hmm. in that way, you know, do something surprising and entertaining and whatnot. Mm, Foreshadowing. I love foreshadowing. (laughs) This this will actually play off of our show. I think that's going to be taping that is going to be showing a week before this one comes out. How do you keep a show Bible? Do you keep a show Bible? How do you keep track? So everyone doesn't forget what happened. Um, Go Terry. Well, <laughs> so we just started um, getting together more regularly because we would have these big gaps between our recording because all of our schedules are crazy and just recently Travis went through and listened to everything we've done so far and wrote out great synopses for us and like some yeah and some like 
notes on like, hey guys, here are, if you want to do this thing, here's a quick cheat sheet of the, the you know, the, um what are they called? Character points. No, the thing and the thing. You need the upper thing. We refer to them as the thing and the thing all the time. <laughs> I do that all the time. Yeah. Yes, I mean, thing the cheat thing. sheets for me, let's be honest, but <laughs> I don't know the things I need. Um, so he went through and made this like really comprehensive, incredible amount of notes for us. And so we went through them and Brian read, you know, the first two seasons to us. And then Travis read the last season and, we, we really caught up and then we were like, oh yeah, we saw those people in two seasons and that character came back. I thought we heard his name twice and you know, whatever. And so like, we need, we needed that. That was, that was the thing that was missing for us because Brian would be like, and then so-and-so arrives and we're like, do we know him? Oh, all right. <laughs> Great. Ryan, Ryan and I at some point were talking about like, you know, the post-production of wrapping out season two and how we we're going to set up a cliffhanger for season three. And I was like, well, we could do this because remember the first mission that we recorded for season three, like this happened. And he's like, it did. And I went, oh, you guys are so effed. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, hey, Brian, we were just complaining that the only person who really remembers is the GM. Like, he's alive in our minds, and we got, and we have to build oh, these tools. I don't know if I'm going to give Brian that much credit. I think the most informed of us was probably Matt, because Matt was the one who actually went back and listened to all of it once it was yeah. released. Yeah, um, that's so. true. Yeah. So I will say, yeah, I, I do. I, I think, Go ahead, Matt. Go. I was say I think I don't know if I'm the only one in the crew that actually I do I I listen to the episodes as they come out because uh, I for work I drive all day long every day yeah. so I'm in the car for hours and hours and hours so I do podcasts and I'll do audiobooks and stuff like that so Tempest is just one I listen to and every other week when it comes out I'll I'll listen to it so I yeah I kind of do stay up on on what's up but we record so far in advance like it's almost a year in advance that we do recording yeah. from when. Oh. I, when it drops to when we record. So, um, so I've forgotten 90% of what we've done. And then it kind the new the episode comes out. It's like, Oh yeah, that was cool. I remember that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? so I, so. I guess it is worth mentioning since we've repeatedly talked about how long it takes us to get these things out. Like ours is not a traditional sort of like critical role, actual play where it's just us sitting there playing the game. Uh, since Ryan has a very strong background with award-winning audio drama shows he has a lot of skill when it comes to sound design um and so we go through we take the full recording of what it is we cut out you know the five minutes of us looking up how to do a specific thing in a rule um, uh, you know cutting out those sorts of aspects of the game to sort of shrink it all down to be a much more streamlined process and then ryan goes through and adds all sorts of ambient background environmental design foley design sound effects and works all of that stuff out ahead of time so there's like a much longer lead time simply because we're sort of blending an actual play and an audio drama at the same time. Um, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, oh, you're muted. I just put myself on mute. There we go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> edit that out. No, we don't. We don't do that. We're much more clunky. Right <laughs> we're 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 uh, we're a one and done, one drive. Yeah. We're, <laughs> exactly. We're appealing to the clunky. You, but what, I, what you mean to say is you're smarter at it than we are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it's smarter. No, I've listened to it, and I think what's amazing is um, there's another podcast that was uh, Voyager season eight. I don't know if 
you mm. I've, oh, heard no. of, I've heard of it yeah but there's somebody who does voyager season eight and it's very audiobook style which which oh. you you kind of reminded me of and it's fantastic it's just a, honestly i find it more pleasurable than sometimes watching the live cast where you have all the mechanics and stuff like that because that takes you out of the story mm-hmm. and i'm very I, I play rpg for the story i'm very narrative based so yeah. i really like the way it's edited because i never get pulled out of the story well we appreciate really cool. that yeah so one one thing that brian and i sort of talked about at the very beginning before we did it was all right well are we going to do a, a straight um actual play podcast or are we going to do a, a full-on star trek audio drama or are we going to try to do a high and that's really where we sort of landed where we sort of blur the line between the two and as the show is going to progress there will be much more elements of sound design uh, uh, and production value in, it, the production value increases with every season yeah. who knows how far we're actually going to take that because there is a limitation in time and ability and we don't want this thing being released in 2042 <laughs> um, well, it might be we, the animated we, series it might be the animated series yeah, uh, we'd, audio, like to, we'd like to finish the thing before we actually meet the Vulcans in real life <laughs> but every every mission so each mission there's 10 per season each mission is broken down as brian mentioned earlier into several episodes uh ranging from two to four generally our goal is three um but each mission starts with a cold open so it's a it's a it's a completely designed audio scene like you would get in the beginning of before every title sequence of every star trek that's ever been there's the cold open that sets up the mission to come and at the end of every season we also finish with what we call the cold close which basically hints at the through lines that Brian's sort of talking about and it hints at what's to come. It's sort of like a mini trailer or a, a sneak peek at what's to come for the next seasons. And we ha- we also have done something which I really, really love. There have been times, specifically one time in season two, where we went through this scene as players, we played it all out, and the way it fit in the in the episode just didn't feel right. It's it, like it was a fine scene, but it didn't really add much. So we decided, what if we take out that scene, put it in the front, and re-record it and make a basically a live play, uh, a recorded play of us doing that scene as our cold open. So it's us in characters just straight acting our roles and scripted. acting out the scene scripted as as was the you know based on the results that we did in our actual gameplay. And it was so much fun to put together, and it yeah. came together really really nicely. So it's it's a lot of fun, and I hope we uh, we are going to end up doing a little bit more of that going forward. Yeah. So, uh, part, part of it was like, sorry, but I, um, uh, what I loved, what I loved about the adventure zone was that it was, I mean, they're more actual play, but like I, I had tried critical role before and I have ADHD. And so there's very, like, it was very hard because there's too much downtime in terms of my brain needing to be engaged. Right. And then I also can't do narrative fiction audiobooks. I can do nonfiction audio but i can't do narrative fiction because if you space out for a second you lose the thread of whatever it is there was something about the adventure zone that was like this very nice sweet spot of you know it it just it clicked with my adhd well enough that i could that i could actually enjoy it uh and so that's that was kind of the idea behind trying to find a, a similar sweet spot for the tempest but also drawing on you know ryan's incredible skill and talent as an audio designer to you know buttress the whole the whole enterprise in that regard jim did you ever imagine that players would take it here um (laughs) (laughs) 
in a good way in, or a in, bad in way? My, or? In, my, in my head, like I knew it was possible, right? I have a theater background too. So like I, I know how a, a, a theater group comes together and how production is made, right? All that stuff. Um, and like intuitively when I saw when I saw the, the game that Nathan had created, right? I was like, this is so narrative focused. This is like Star Trek at the table. Like it, it feels like, it doesn't feel like you're necessarily in the Star Trek universe, but you are playing a Star Trek television episode at the table. Yep. Doing yeah. all the scene beats and all the all the dialogue and all the snappy back mm-hmm. and forth and cut scenes and all this stuff and you got supporting characters so like I felt like it was there right it, all the narrative elements were there to make this like a really amazing audio drama and like in fact the group I ran a couple of years ago like we we were on uh, Roll Twenty and then using Discord for audio and like every single episode I would listen to the, the to the recording and be like this feels like a radio drama I, you know, like we didn't have special effects and, and and music other than what incidental stuff I could drop in. I was like, this is this game is allowing us to do a radio drama every week, um, yeah. where I can set, I can throw stuff at the players, and like literally, I can put myself on mute for forty five minutes, and they would just go back and forth role playing, doing stuff, doing scenes on their own because they know the they know the pattern, right? They they've seen Super they know the pattern, they know how it works, and they can just go fly with it. And like there was whole there was whole sessions where we never rolled any dice, right? And it's just like this is perfect, right? Yeah. Uh, so I just I love everything that I'm hearing because it, it it ties into exactly how I run the games and how I play the games and how so many others are doing it too. It's just it's so rewarding to hear that this the system is clicking with a certain group of people and it's it's yeah. you know it's, it's we, so rewarding. Yeah, um, I have a question though for everybody, and um, I, I mean maybe Ryan and Tara because you you this was your first RPG right? This mm-hmm. was your first experience. This is like literally your first time ever doing any kind of game. Yeah. Um, you didn't have that learning curve necessarily. You didn't have the kind of, uh, you know, clunky start where you're doing the mechanics and you're trying to ease into it and figure it out. Like you've got, you've got some polished sound design. You've got, you've got a, you're actually editing out some of the mechanical bits and making a, a, a more polished finished product. So my question is collectively, can you, can you step outside of it a little bit and think of yourself as a, as a newbie listening to this episode saying, I want to get into Star Trek adventures. I want to play this with my friends, but do I need to have a polished presentation? Like, uh-huh. is that is that something we need to do? Like, like the, the pressure of a new game master and group of players thinking, ah, shit, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't, we can't do. In fact, and I feel this, right? I feel this. Like, I feel the like uh, Shield of the Tomorrow was really rough for me because it was like they got the nice L car layout, they got uniforms, they yeah. got props, they got sound, they got they all this great stuff. set. Oh, sure. That's why, that's why I was afraid to run the game online. Even though I was a writer and a, the freaking project manager, I was like, I don't want to run this online because <laughs> I don't have those production values. Right. It's going to yeah. be like, you know, you know, amateur town. If I ran it online compared to what is out there. So I guess, you know, thinking about the, the newbies coming into it, what would you tell them, um, you know, get, starting to get into this game? Yeah, I will say, um, and this is a very weird sentence for me to say, we have some of the coolest fans from all over the world, which is very strange already that like, you know, us college old friends playing a game have fans of our show still feels weird to us. We all have imposter syndrome, but we have had some fans that have reached out to us and have said, Hey, we want to play. How do we, how do we get started? Like this exact question I have had in our dms over and over again and i say just go it doesn't matter your background it doesn't matter how much experience you have it doesn't matter if you have seen two episodes of star trek in your whole life just go you and your favorite people 
Make sure that it's people that you can get together with, uh, you know, semi-regularly so that you all can create this together and just go. And they do. And so I'll hear back from people and they're like, oh my gosh, so we played our first week, you know, last week and it went really well and, you know, whatever. This person's not really sure they're into it so far, but, you know, the only show they've ever watched is, you know, Enterprise or whatever. And I'm like, well, you know, we we don't judge, just it's fine. <laughs> and, and they have a blast because that's what it's about, right? At the, at the end of the game or at the end of the day, it is a game. And games are for fun and for joy and for togetherness. And like, that's the, that's the point, right? I will, I will, I will phrase it this way as advice because it's the hardest. It's absolutely the hardest thing in the world for me to do. And Ryan and I are very similar wavelengths in this, which is probably why we work well together slash sometimes unwell. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's do it wrong. Like you're going to do it wrong. Yes. So just you you have to do it wrong before you can do it right like you can't i'm very much a, a like perfection paralysis kind of like if i if i can't do it perfectly the very first time then i'm not going to start at all and that's obviously not how the world works in any way shape or form <laughs> uh, and so it's you know like do it wrong and then do it wrong again and then do it wrong again and that's you know don't don't stop yourself from doing something because you're going to do it wrong because you are going to do it wrong. And that's the only path to get in to right. do it in a way yeah. that feels not even like is right. Quote unquote. Cause what does that even mean? But in a way that feels right. Yeah. Um, and we, we went through that same thing, right? Like when we, when Brian yeah. was pitching this idea to us, he was like, Oh, well go listen to critical role to get a sort of a sense. And it's like, Oh, those are all professional performers that have played. <laughs> yeah. of yeah. D&D. So it's like, we may have a performer background to some extent, but it's like, we didn't know the game well enough, but those people can like, play full-on game they don't have to stop for five minutes to go look up a rule and go like oh well, my talent is this i have no idea what that talent is let me go look it up in the book because they're just much better and much quicker because they they've done that sort of thing so we had to overcome that exact same thing so anybody that's listening to this that's like if you go listen to tempest and you're like man that sounds really cool like we mentioned earlier we did several sessions before we felt even comfortable enough to start recording ourselves and it takes practice and we did the same thing if you think we sound good you're gonna sound good too you just don't necessarily think it at the first time it's like get in do it play and the more you play the more fun you're gonna have and unless you're putting out a product to release on spotify or whichever platform you happen to download podcasts you don't have to worry about anybody listening you're gonna have a great time just playing like if we stopped releasing these things Sorry, Brian, I don't mean to bring that up. If we stop releasing these things, we would still really enjoy ourselves playing this game together just because we enjoy it. Yeah, I don't want people to think that, you know, we talked to going back to what Jim said about watching clear skies or even, you know, seeing people on Rule 20 or Starship, uh, Star Trek Tempest. These are examples that show us how we can play. I love a tabletop game. Now I started playing tabletop post pandemic of Star Trek Adventures, and I now see the the advantages it has. Then Discord, where I usually play by post, is on Discord like text messaging. Um, so as people listen to this podcast, I want them to be thinking like these are just examples, so that you can see the wide mm-hmm. range of games you can play with Star Trek Adventures. You could play in multiple settings, like I do, um, you know, online or or virtual. Um, I I'm what is remarkable to me, and again, I have to commend this group here, is because the passion seems to come first for the story, 
And then that pushes you to be like, well, this is our art form and we want to create more. And I'm excited about that because myself and Jim, if you've been watching the show um, or listening to some of the podcasts, you know, we've had everyone from the comic book writers for Star Trek all the way to the ship designers that are showing up in Picard now. And and of course, the whole gamut of, of gamers and the worlds are kind of coming together so that I could envision with your show literally at some point now with AI animation coming in and developing mm-hmm. that one day you could have an animation of this. And mm-hmm. I like Star Trek. I've always liked Star Trek and Paramount um, because they're probably one of the most liberal with letting the fans enjoy the genre um, and not just cutting them off at the knees because of copyright <laughs> law. Um, so so keep evolving it because it's just you know, I think it's going to go it's going to boldly go in amazing. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to circle back real quick. So one one I, I work I, I need to work on myself a lot on the same thing that Brian's talking about, about uh you know, perfect, being a perfectionist and just letting the product be done, even when you don't think it's done and to, to, to kickstart, um, the character sheet. One of the things that I, I created as one of my character's values is, uh, failure is a prerequisite to success. And I, it's now the perfect segue to say that like to anybody who's trying to start their own RPG with Star Trek adventures, <clears throat> like just like everybody already said, get out there and fail until you make it, do it because it's uh it's the only way to go. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way of putting what I said earlier. I should have said it that way. You should. Have. <laughs> no, we're just gonna, I'm just going to pretend that your thing is, was my idea. I'm we'll going to make it, we'll it even post. more succinct and say <laughs> fail forward. Fail forward. Hey. God bless it. <laughs> I, think, I think Maddox is rewriting his value. <laughs> so uh, I know we're I know we've been going a little bit long here, but this has been such a great conversation. I had one more question. I, I guess this is oriented more toward Brian, um, and I, I certainly don't want to exclude anybody. But I, I, I don't know exactly how the like the 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 sausage making happens in terms of the storytelling. <laughs> um, but I guess I'm curious. Like, do you have? Uh, a, a vision, like you said, you you've been primarily episodic, and you're starting to move toward a little bit more of a serialized story sort of a t- framework. Uh, and, and just as a game master to a game master, because I'm always curious about the 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 process that that game masters go through when they're coming into a Star Trek game campaign thing. Like, do you have a do you have even a notion of a, of an endpoint that you uh, that you want to get to, or are you just oh, yeah. kind of like just building it as you go, adding blocks to it, adding pieces to it? And you'll just you know see what happens. I'm just I'm just curious from your pers- your perspective. Like, do you do you see a do you see a, a an end goal in mind where you would you would put the 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 bow on uh, Tempest? Not to say that we certainly don't want you to go away anytime soon, but like, uh, do you see, do you envision a point where you'll put this on the shelf and say that is a complete complete package? Yes, yeah. So I um as we as we were first starting uh, sitting down and kind of starting put, I sat down and you know start first was doing a lot of brainstorming but then i did want there to be like an overarching campaign story it was you know some aspect of like a ds9 style thing or you know a big bad evil whatever the dnd acronym is bbeg um uh so i definitely did want that so i sat down it's actually funny you asked that question because just as we're sitting here i'm just poking around on my desktop and i found in my incredibly unorganized this is this little like little spreadsheet i built of myself of basically what i did was i set up some i set up some like hooks that or triggers triggers would be a better word of that the 
that the characters may or may not pull in the first season. But if they did, that would set in motion some stuff that's, you know, would then be going on in the background. And as as the campaign progresses, you know, the big picture is like some of that stuff like popping up or, you know, poking around the corner in in various ways. Um, so it was very much the first season was all episodic, but in a few kind of key places, there are these triggers. And then thankfully they, they pulled all of the triggers. So I didn't have to go back to the drawing board on this, on this big thing that I had put together ahead of time. Um, but ever since then, there's kind of these gears turning in the backgrounds that sometimes they see a little hint of here or there, uh, but which will hopefully kind of come into focus as, as the campaign progresses builds to a, a very, dis- a, a specific, uh, um situation uh that i did you know have in mind at the beginning uh and then that will be the climax but however however the players and the, their characters get to that point and then what happens at that point is entirely you know open to you know yeah. to the choices and how the campaign actually you know unfolds and what they do and choices and paths that they they make Brian's whole apartment is like photos, newspaper clippings, and red wine. <laughs> just <Yep>. like <laughs> I have they, right over there. Tra- Travis has seen it because Travis has been here when he was visiting before. But I have a whiteboard with the whole campaign laid out, mission by mission. And I know, okay, in that spot, this thing has to happen. And in this spot, if they do this, then that's going to affect this. And if they do that, it's going to, you know, et cetera. So, I have to ask you a question then, just for, yeah. again, new game game masters out there, though. Ha- have your players ever uh, forced you into a rewrite because they came up with something better? Oh, God. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, just... The, I mean, so the the way I just the way I describe it is yeah, like he, is, he struggles giving credit to us. So <laughs> not absolutely not true. Um, the, the way I describe it is that like you as the GM, you you will feel like so clever when you're sitting and you're coming up with whatever scenario and thing like, and you'll say like, okay, here's I'm I'm gonna make them go down a hallway, and then there's gonna be a left and a right, and if they go left, they're gonna have to do this, and if they go right, they're gonna have to do that, and you're gonna feel so clever as a storyteller and GM doing this, and then when you actually play, they're gonna get to that t- juncture in the corridor, and instead of going left or right, they're gonna crawl up the wall, and you're gonna be like, <laughs> all right, uh, so ab- like absolutely, and I like. I can't really go into any detail because that will. That I understand. I just, you know, for those but, who are, oh, yeah. I'll say for Ryan and Tara that this is your first time playing RPG. And, you know, I've been playing for over 30 years and my players know I'm totally a, uh, a diva. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that as a game master, we need a lot of praise, you know, and a lot of, you know, to keep us going. So you know, <laughs> Ryan seems the same. I think we also started striking a balance where you could definitely tell the first couple, the first couple of missions where we basically argue with Brian about the premise of the episode. For like <laughs> yeah. 20 minutes where it's like, yeah, this guy's trying to run a test. And then we spend 15 minutes grilling that guy about the yeah. test. And he's like, we just need to get on with the test. Y'all let's, let's do this thing. Um, and then we started like, you know, we find that balance in between. I think us as players started accepting premises and sort of diving into the story a little more once brian also gave us additional freedom once we started naming like making all of the secondary characters animals 
as a joke. I think yeah. that just let us blow off some steam. Yeah. And so we were a little more willing to just be like, okay, we'll let you tell the story, but we're just going to make this character a cephalopod for no reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And there's there's also a very like it's a tension, but it's a tension that is so it just encapsulates who we are as individuals and as a group of friends together. But there's a tension where like I'm trying to come to the table with like my greatest Star Trek uh, ethical dilemma, Sophie's choice, you know, <laughs> and just by the means thing that I can possibly come up with. And then their goal is to just derail any <laughs> Any sense of pretension uh, that I bring to the table, which is a lot, uh, and th- and that is why God created threat tokens. Exactly. <laughs> Ryan, but their name is Ensign Bees, and their value is dancing. Exactly. And I'm just like, but are you going to sanction this war with the Klingons because it could mean blah blah? blah but like the dance. but but Ensign Bees needs to dance. <laughs> <laughs> and there's there's something about that tension again that is very us, yeah. but is also just it works very well. Well, it's good. The glue shows, and and I think you you are a great example. The Star Trek Tempest of, of um, really introducing new players, long term players, um, doing it in a way that brings your passion into it. I, I I we talk about how you know if you have artists or illustrators or whatever on your game, get creative. You're you're all. It sounds like two of you are sound engineers. Of, of some sort, if I'm correct in that, or just one of you? Ryan. I'm just well, Ryan, Ryan. Ryan is the, I mean, I, I have more of a generalized post-production background, okay. but Ryan is the sound designer. All right. So yeah, you're bringing that to the game, which is totally fun. You know, other, other people may have people who have comic art skills or, right. or just, just yeah. uh, 3D modeling. We have a 3D modeler on our team. Yeah, who that's loves that's so cool. Yeah. So, so, you know, the point of the matter is, is you brought it together and you're doing, making the game fun and customized for yourself. I know here we want to hear about it at Continuing Missions all the time because we are the repository of ideas of all the creativity and infinite diversity and infinite combinations <laughs> happening out there for Star Trek adventures. Yeah. Right, Jim, you want to ask anything else before we start getting to a wrap-up? Uh, I mean, there's I, I, I could do this all night, right? I mean, there, there's <laughs> so many questions and, and thoughts and kibitzing and, and what whatnot, but uh, I, I am grateful for all of you and all of your time that you shared with us tonight. And just uh, every, everything you do, I, we'll get into gratitude in a minute. But uh, um, no, I mean this is this has been great. I could listen to your individual stories and your collective stories all night long, just mm-hmm. just to get get a feel for the people you know behind the you know on the screen, right? Like you, we're seeing the people behind the the characters in the show and stuff. And that's that's always, I mean, that's Star Trek, right? Because like uh, you know they even back in the seventies they were going to conventions and you actually got to meet you know William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy instead of Kirk and Spock, and like you actually. For me as a kid, right, I was, that that was my first opportunity to really understand that that the 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 people on the screen were actually actors doing a job, right? And yeah. like yeah. Uh, and you get to meet them and you get to talk to them a little bit in person. You're like, oh wow, there's actually a whole person behind this so role. It's like, yeah. that's like like you know, Leonard Nimoy isn't just Spock. He's he's got a family and he's got a life, and this is just yeah. one job out of many. And uh, uh, so I, I mean, me personally, I, I love peeking behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. And, and, and learning more about the people that are behind all the great stuff that's coming out. So it uh, seems to me too. Yeah. But, and it seems to me too, like the modern Trek actors, many of them are so accessible now. Like I, yeah. I just see these stories um, I'm thinking about right now, Captain Shaw, who I have to admit is becoming top five <laughs> captains for I me. Do like Shaw. <laughs> yeah. I that, like Shaw. That he's ending up in my top five right now that he's so accessible along with people like yeah. Bonnie or, 
or um, I was called say LaForge's kids, but in real life, LeVar Burton's daughters, (laughs) (laughs) you know, that, that it's a really good time. And I, again, I'm not seeing this in the other IPs. So it's pretty amazing phenomenon. Yeah, no. And and it's great too, that, uh, you know, uh, you you mentioned Todd, uh, Todd Stashwick. He, apparently he's an Uber, Uber geek and uh, a gamer, right? And like, like, I've heard that. Yeah. When we discover that it's like, oh, you're a gamer. It's like, (laughs) I know uh, Anthony uh, Anthony Rapp on uh, uh, Discovery is also a big gamer, but he's refused to do anything with Star Trek Adventures until after Discovery is done because he because uh, that's his job, right? He's yeah, oh, that's, right, that's yeah. what I do. I don't want to do the game until I'm done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I get that. They've been doing uh, uh, Disco plays D and D, right? Yeah. And there's like yeah. like a group of them yeah. that plays. I think right. that's fun. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, it's time to get into graduate. Like we said, our conversation always continues because we never run out of stuff to talk about um, as big as the universe is. So likewise is our imaginations and therefore why we all love Star Trek adventures. So we're going to do our gratitude moment. One of the things I like to do as tradition on the show is to give gratitude to the brick and mortar stores out there. We have to support our local and small businesses. And it's really nice to see passionate people opening up stores to introduce gaming and comics to people. So I'm going to tell a story that my eight-year-old nephew told me on Sunday um, because he (laughs) went to a local uh, store and had a ball. He says, Uncle Michael, can you take me to King Kong Comics and Games? It's in Dublin, California, um, about 15 minutes from my house. So I will be making a visit there to make sure they have Star Trek Adventures RPG on their shelf uh, in the upcoming weekend. So uh, shout out to King Kong comics and games let's go around the room and do gratitude let's start with brian well sure i mean i will give gratitude that both of my cats were relatively well behaved uh, (laughs) session um they did uh, destroy a mouse in one episode they literally yes uh, his computer mouse to be clear (laughs) they broke his not a biological mouse mouse. yeah um but uh, to piggyback on you i've i've been getting very into back into scale modeling this actually circles back to the whole like be willing to be bad at something before you're good right so i love to build scale models as a kid but i never like got you know especially when it came to painting i never just like stuck at it long enough and so i've recently been getting been getting back into that and right like two feet that way is this klingon battle cruiser i'm working on at the moment uh but uh, along with that there's a local hobby shop here called burbank's house of hobbies that are like they're super cool they're not a gaming store they're you know a, a hobby shop uh but they're super friendly uh people they have a great uh collection and they've been a tremendous help in like me you know uh diving back into that's kind of scary intimidating uh aspect in which you can spend an awful lot of money very quickly if you're not careful and mm-hmm. i'm not a very careful person so <laughs> thank you matt what about you um yeah i'm gonna echo brian and i'm gonna th- say i'm very thankful that my four cats and dog were very nice <laughs> and, and were in the dog basically slept next to me the entire time. So that was wonderful. Um, but yeah, no, I just want to shout out my local game store. That's entertainment in Worcester, Mass. Um, if I'm around, I always stop in there. I don't buy a lot anymore because I have 500,000 games that I never play. <laughs> um, so, but it's always nice to stop in there and see what they have. And they have a, they have a good amount of stuff and the people that are really cool. Yeah, maybe they can do something where you go in and like donate to get new people playing, and then you can then start picking up new books. Oh, mm. that would be cool. Yeah, right. yeah. Right. Right. Travis. Um. Okay. Yeah. I 
So I will shout out the creators and the people who keep Star Trek Adventures going, to be frank. Um, this I don't know how much how integral it was to creating Star Trek uh, Starship Tempest, but it feels like because it was a Star Trek focused gaming system, I think it made it a little easier for all of us to get on board, especially people who are not as experienced with gaming. Um, it might have been a tougher sell to bring us on board with the idea of like, we're going to play D&D, but we're going to put a Star Trek skin on it. Yeah. Um, whereas this one was like wholly created to be Star Trek. Uh, allowed us to sort of dive in a little more than I think we would have otherwise. In terms of brick and mortar stores, um, I don't have any particularly local around here. We have a longtime mutual friend who has a gaming pub in Florida by the name of Cloak and, Cloak and Blaster. It is in Orlando, Florida. Um, you know, <laughs> similar to us, we've all been friends since college for more years than I'm going to admit aloud. Um, <laughs> and he was with us in that same time frame, and now he has a gaming pub in in there where they keep all sorts of games on the on the shelf for everybody to play and, and whatnot and it's great so cloak and blaster in orlando is they what I'll played, shout out. Um, star trek adventures and we sent um tempest stickers to give everybody that played a campaign uh, yeah, they, didn't they play one of brian's campaigns yeah yeah they did yeah they did one of our yeah one of the one of ideas. Yeah. So um, cool. i have to ask what your alma mater is you all mentioned you went to college together Oh, I was gonna. I was gonna actually thank that. Okay, so <laughs> and Tara and y'all. Perfect. Go. All right. So, all right. So, yeah, I would like to thank our. Oh, so we went to a highly technical school. We went to Embry Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, Florida. I went to the community college across, across the street. The street. <laughs> <laughs> but in this highly technical university, where there were a there was a severe lack of creativity available, um, we all found each other. At the uh, through the Riddle Players Theater Company, which was this the entirely student uh, owned, uh, student run theater group that was just pure passion. It was like it was theater passion at its at its finest because mm-hmm. everybody who was there was there strictly by volunteer because they needed an outlet, and that's where we found ourselves. And I stumbled in that in that group by accident, and now I have my best friends and my beautiful wife and um, three kids because of that place. So I will I would like to thank the Riddle Players Theater Company at Embry Riddle Aeronautical University. Awesome. Yeah, you can't knock that. It's like your whole life. <laughs> Just yep. read it. Um, and for me, um, so when we started all the social media stuff. Brian and I were brainstorming. I was like, I, what do I post as a visual all the time for a, an audio podcast? Like we don't have visuals exactly. Like we could make stuff, I guess. And he said, well, why don't you go like find artists on DeviantArt or somewhere that do Trek art? And I was like, okay. And I took that idea and ran with it. And now we work with artists who specifically do Trek art and I promote them on our Instagram. And then now they're buying some ad spots so they can have, you know, us shout them out for, you know, like they have an audio ad for their visual art and their visual art is on our audio stuff. And so we, I created this like symbiotic thing with some amazing artists. And I'm so grateful for the artist community and for the Star Trek fam that's out there that just is like, happy to share and promote each other. And, you know, they say a rising tide lifts all ships. And I I feel like that's so important. And I'm so grateful that all these artists are like, yes, absolutely. I want to support you. And thanks for supporting me. And yeah. Send me a list of all those people, including I have all your links here, but send me all of it in one pile so I can put it 
post it with this episode. Oh, oh sure. Wow. That would be yeah, great. That would be really nice. That's awesome. Continuing mission. Yeah. All right. Over to Jim. <clears throat> oh, gosh. So, as always, I don't have enough time to thank everybody. <laughs> uh, I will. Uh, I will. We, thank, we don't have a hook, you know, so we're not going to pull you off. Yeah, but yeah. the Academy will play you off. Be careful. If, uh, if, I, if I had some Romulan ale, I would pour one out for the game stores that have come and gone. That yeah. have had to shut the doors for any number of reasons. Uh, they were always the lifeblood of the uh, of the of the hobby and of the industry. And uh, so, thank thanks to them for laying the foundation in a lot of ways. And then, you know, other game stores have come and gone. Uh, the only one I can remember by name is the Game Parlor in Chantilly, Virginia. Thanks to them for thirty odd years of uh, gaming love. I always enjoyed going there. And then there was a store in, um, and this is way back in the eighties uh, in Manassas, uh, Virginia. I don't remember. I don't even think the, the store had a name. It, it might just said comics, and it was like a serious, you know, total mom and pop organization. Uh, but I loved it, and that was where I posted my very first ad for a game. I said, "I want to run a Star Trek RPG. I'm looking for people who are eighteen old, eighteen or older, a little bit mature, a little bit, you know, in the Star Trek zone." And I found my, I, I met my best friend that way, and we, we went on to run some great Star Trek games. So thanks to that game store and whoever ran it. I don't remember who you are, but thank you uh, <laughs> yeah. for, for that happening. Um, I also, you know, just tying into the theater, I want to thank all the local community theater groups in the metropolitan Northern Virginia area. There's so many, there's Sterling, Reston. Um, I mean, there's like eight or nine around here, and I've worked with most of them on and off over the years. Um, that theater background gets into your head and gets into story and, yeah. and makes RPGs so much stronger, like, like, like the way I run them and the way I play them and all that stuff. That background, that theater background is so huge. Uh, so really grateful to all of the actors and directors and staff and everybody else I've ever worked with because you know it, it's all here, it's all in here. Yeah. And then um, I would I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't thank every one of you because because I, I don't have enough ways to say thank you for what for what you're doing not just for the game but for the hobby and for new people coming into Star Trek and coming into Star Trek Adventures. Um, they're watching your stuff and they're emulating you and then going off and doing their own thing. But but like you folks and and other you know companies and, and enterprises that are doing the same thing that you're doing or you know have done like Shield of Tomorrow and Clear Skies and um, ELH Mark One and all the other people that are doing streams and podcasts and audio casts and YouTube's and all the different technologies Instagram Facebook Messenger um, TikTok yeah. <laughs> I'm getting into TikTok I'm slowly getting into TikTok but it's just fascinating. That Star Trek Adventures, I, I've always said this, that Star Trek Adventures is the first art, the first Star Trek RPG that I feel like has really been able to harness social media or, or, or to be tied into social media in such a way that uh, um, other games haven't been able to do. And I think it's just, it's an amazing, amazing experience to see what you all are doing with it month after month, year after year. And I can't thank you enough for everything you're doing. So because you're keeping me going because because yeah. honestly when i when i work on the game at middle of the night at two in the morning i need a break um mm -hmm. i'm pulling up i'm pulling up the videos and the youtubes and the, the podcasts and i'm just listening to people enjoying the game and playing the game and creating their own star trek stories and that's what i want for everybody is to just to, to see that there's so many other games out there that you can play not just star trek but you know certainly other ones but uh, there's such a great experience that you can have collaboratively with your friends so thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of you thank you for all you're doing and please don't stop. <laughs> please don't stop. Yeah. I, need, I need that story. I need I need more Star Trek stories in my head. Like yeah. after 56 years and thousands of novels and comic books and audio dramas and stuff, it's still not enough story. It's still not enough Star Trek story. And I, I want more of it. And if the, if the game is helping facilitate that, then 
That's an absolute win for me. Yeah. And as, as usual, continuing uh, conversations is about the fans. You know, I, Star Trek, I, I'll say it again. Star Trek, though, it was created by Gene Roddenberry and many writers and artists and special effects people. It's really the fans who keep Star Trek alive as a genre. So that's why we're committed to making sure all fans get their representation on continuing conversations. So I really appreciate that we all connected, Brian, Ryan, Tara, Matt, and Travis, in order to uh, have you on the show. And it probably won't be the last invitation, I warn you. We talk about a lot of cool (laughs) stuff. All right? We'll get you back. Okay. Yes. All right, so Always. until next time, cool. IDIC. <laughs> be safe, be well, live long and prosper. Thank you all so much. We'll talk to you all next time. Next time. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks, Anytime. guys. Thank you.